0: Welcome in to the first episode of 2020 for a quick timeout podcast. Starting off the new year with a topic that we haven't talked about yet, and that is press defense. On the show today is none other than my boss and the head coach for the Bob Jones University Bruins men's basketball team, Burton Uaro. Coach Uaro is in his third season with the Bruins, but before that, he was a three-time state champ at the high school level in Georgia. One of the main reasons for the success during that time was his team's press defenses, which he'll explain in some depth in the interview. Before we start, as always, I want to thank our sponsors, 323 Sports. No matter the sport and no matter your needs, 323 Sports can provide your sports program with the uniforms, coaching gear, and equipment you need to make this season a success. To find out more about what 323 Sports can do for you, visit 323sports.com. With us today is Coach Burton, URO Head Men's Basketball Coach for the Bob Jones University Bruins. This is his third season with us here at Bob Jones. Coach, thanks for coming on.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Some listeners may know you, but for those who don't, you want to give them kind of a short rundown on where you've been and the kinds of things you've been involved with basketball-wise?
1: I worked a couple of years here in South Carolina in middle school. Uh, Then I went to Washington, D.C. area and worked in high school for a while. Got to be involved with Morgan Wooten and then with his son, Joe Wooten, who is at uh, Bishop O'Connell right now, and Morgan Wooten was still at DeMatha. Came back and worked in South Carolina High School basketball at Malden High School for a while, uh, then had a chance to start my own program in Atlanta, Georgia. I was there for eight years and then I uh, was asked to come back here to Greenville to uh, take over the Bob Jones Bruins men's basketball team. So, that's a little bit about my journey. I'm in year 25 right now and looking forward to more.
0: I've been wanting to have Coach on for a while just to talk about press defenses. I just didn't know when would be the best time to do it during the season. Um, I know some mid-season during a holiday break, uh, they like to introduce some some wrinkles into their defense. So I figured now would be as good a time at any time. In my opinion, from what I've seen and heard and watched on videos, Coach UR is really the best teacher of press defenses that I've ever seen so beside me having seen you in practice I don't know that I've ever actually heard you talk about kind of where you picked up your pressing philosophy if it was something that you got from particular coach in the past or if it was something that you kind of have built up over the years but where exactly did that press philosophy come from
1: well in recent years uh, Bob Huggins has had West Virginia known as Press Virginia but earlier in my career I really went to him and wanted to know more about his offense when he was at Cincinnati before he went on to Kansas State and then into West Virginia. And through that, I was, as often happens when you go to ask one question, more things open up, and and I'm an avid learner of everything, and I've really always been kind of focused on defense. And growing up, Duke was deny everything. I was a Duke fan, tried to do everything that Coach K did, but I quickly realized I didn't have Coach K's athletes, and really looking for a better way to be more effective on defense. And so Bob Huggins always talked about his box philosophy and box theory. You wanted to get it on one of the the courts divided into three boxes. You wanted to get it into one of the outside boxes, and then you wanted that box to shrink. And so instead of denying it to the side, that's really where we want it as coaches in most defenses. We want it to be out of the middle third of the court. And so uh, that began my half-court philosophy. If you're going to press your full court press philosophy needs to match your half court philosophy so you can drop into that. And so I really started looking at ways to make sure that the ball handler always crossed half court on one of the outer thirds. So fast forward, I I looked at, started looking at a bunch of different coaches. I didn't think anybody really taught that as well as I wanted. And through a lot of research and, and asking, I I looked at women's programs, which I which I hadn't really before, and that opened up a whole other avenue um, that I hadn't seen. And Andy Landers was a really good coach at the University of Georgia. Uh, I didn't talk to him while I was in Georgia. I already had this philosophy, and he was already retired by the time I moved to Georgia, but I had a chance to talk with him later. But His philosophy of teaching man-to-man press sets up the rest of your presses. And so getting the ball receiver as soon as it's inbounded, the next two defenders staggering the outside shoulder of the guy who's on the ball. So every time the ball handler is looking to drive, he knows that whether he goes left or whether he goes right, he's going to face another defender. And so we always want the ball to be in the outside box and everybody on the team to be in that ball side box, have at least one foot on that ball side box. And so that's where my basic theory started. And then, you know, being in the D.C. area, being in this area, Oliver Purnell at Clemson really started perfecting, changing your full court presses. And Shaka Smart was part of that staff. And then other assistants that have gone on were part of that staff. Shaka Smart kind of did his own take of it on VCU. And uh, the VCU coaching staff is still part of that Oliver Purnell coaching tree. And so alternating defenses and trying to get what you want out of different zone presses, uh, that's kind of the lineage of, of where I am today. You
0: mentioned right there at the end, the zone presses, but before that coaches probably were thinking well that's just a type of man-to-man defense but you kind of use those philosophies the the basic principles in in other defenses other than the just man-to-man so you know based off of what you've done in the past the success that you've had what all kind of zone defenses press defenses have you used and specifically what have you found to be successful at the high school level
1: I think if you're a high school coach, if you really have what say on what goes on at the lower levels of your program, I know in Georgia, there's a a lot of public school coaches um, that kind of have budgetary purview and hiring and, and firing purview over the local middle school coaches. And I'm not sure how many states have that type of philosophy. I know a lot of private schools have that. But if you have that, I would start with man to man and then you know, I don't, I don't know that you can effectively switch into different presses if you're only having the guys for a year or two on the high school varsity level. I think to really be effective at it, it needs to be a systemic thing in your program, and you have to really have a clear, delineated way um, to build that up. And so I would say generally, I think a 2 press can have so many looks that's where I would start, just mastering a basic 2, two one zone press and getting there. Um, if you just have to set up out of free throws, that's fine. First of all, I think it can give you a slow pace if you want to back off a little bit, if you want your pickup point to be a little bit further back and you went, want to make the middle of the court look crowded think a two, 2 one can slow it down. If you're in a place that has a shot clock, it can buy you a lot of time. Uh, we've been able to do that effectively here at the college level. If you want to speed up, you can also do that with the two, 2 one press. Just pick up earlier, be more aggressive with your traps. Uh, it allows you to get two traps on the same sideline if you're teaching it effectively and if your guys are reading passes. And so you can have a 2-2-1 two, two, just be, be a basic thing that you use. I really think. Uh, a diamond press or a one-two-one one, one press, one, two, two press, full court. I think today that's a lot harder to teach. I think you get exposed a lot more. Just the skill level and the speed and the athleticism everybody really makes it difficult for that to be your primary press. I do think that it gives you a good alternative and it could be used 10 to 15 possessions a game really, really effectively. But for that to be your core press. I think that would have to be something that you would have to spend probably 45 minutes or two an hour on daily. Two two one. I like to do it off of free throws. And I started probably 10 or 15 years ago, just always changing what I did out of it on a free throw situation. So I didn't care if it was my biggest guy shooting the free throw, he would be the front of that. And that morphed into, I liked to try to have my big guys at the front of a press, which is... Uh, counter to a lot of people's philosophies. And I wanted them to be trappers. I wanted it to be harder to get over my big guys. And I wanted my more athletic interceptors uh, to be the guys who were behind. And so that change right there helped change my defensive philosophy a little bit. So I don't care who's in the front. I don't care who's in the back. I don't care who's where on the 2-2-1 two, two, press. They need to know all the, all the positions. But I think the front of a two to one can also turn around and you can have those front two guys be be denial guys. And the next line of defense uh, really play over that. So if anything was passed over their head, I think you can have an easy call where they're able to intercept that. I just think there's so much that you can do with a two to one. You can just use it like we use an offensive set and you can force the defense to get into a certain alignment, and you can easily get into 2-2-1 and just play man-to-man from there and kind of have their – that alignment be what you want to get them to do what you want them to do as far as how they line up offensively.
0: One key that I do want to kind of for you to talk about, because as coaches listen to this, uh, some of them have already kind of like tuned out and they're already saying like, yeah, we ran the 2-2-1 two, two, or we play against 2-2-1 two, two, and we just throw the ball right to the middle and we, then we throw it to the outsides and we break the press. So can you kind of talk about the keys of how per, how to prevent that and how we've been successful with kind of running that against other offenses?
1: Every zone press wants to beat you by, by getting the ball middle. And so we, we have our four guys protect it. The front two line play as a tandem, um, the side two play as a tandem. And so you have a couple different tandems that have to work together and you all have to be all four of that box on your two one needs to be working in concert. So as the ball moves towards the side, the front of the two one needs to be forcing it to a side, his partner that was alongside him needs to take a high diagonal and everybody needs to be uh, above the level of the ball. And as you work with through any zone press, you're always going to have two trappers, two interceptors, and then a basket protector. And with a 2-2-1, two, two, you're going to probably play a couple of those positions on any given possession. You're going to go from trapper to interceptor to trapper. Really quickly, and so there has to be good communication between those lines.
0: You want to talk about some of the other zones uh, presses that you use in addition to the two-two-one.
1: I think one of the things that I have done, I have I have seen very few college teams do, is run an effective two-one-two changeup out of that. Uh, the easiest way to do it is have the guy that's at the back of your two-two-one become the middle of your two-one-two, and also be the front of your one-two-two, and so the. Box formation of your zone presses always stays the same. You're just changing one person in it. And if you do decide to change how you align your press and change it throughout a game, if you just change one person instead of several people, I think that's the easiest way to do it. But a two-one-two press can also give you a lot of different things. The two on the side become the trappers, and the middle becomes the interceptor down the line. We're in a 2-2-1 press. Uh, the middle... Traps and the person down the line becomes the interceptor, and so it's just effective. If one thing you you have to have, if you have a pressing philosophy, is you have to have a short memory. In one way, you can't let one beat turn into several beats. But one thing we always say when we're pressing is, don't let them ever beat you the same way twice. And it's okay to get beat. You're, You're taking a gamble, and you're going to get beat. You just can't get beat the same way twice. So Some of that's on the players, but some of that's on the coaches. If they're consistently beating you one way, you need to have an answer for that and make them beat you another way. And that's really hard for teams to prepare for.
0: Progression of teaching. I think sometimes I think we just throw them out there and you do two, two, one, and you kind of show them the positions and you drill it a lot. But breakdown drills is something that you do frequently with our guys, especially towards the beginning when you're introducing these. So maybe some ideas for breakdown drills that will build up to the full five-on-five.
1: Five. Well, I break everything down ball side. And so in the two two one press, we get it to the side. The guy behind him is the one that's going to come up and trap. And he's the one that's giving the now call that lets everybody else on the floor know that the trap's supposed to happen. I think sometimes younger coaches think that you're don't that you going to surprise them and you don't want them to know what you're doing, but I don't care if they know what we're doing. I want the now call to let them know that they're about to get trapped. Um, there doesn't need to be any secrecy behind it. So I start with just those two who are going to be involved with the trap, and then I introduce the first interceptor, and then I introduce the back basket protector, and that looks like one whole side of whatever zone press you're running and then i introduce the other guy at the front uh, who is the second interceptor and really building it up that way reversing it letting them run the letting them run it from both sides and then over matching it uh, where you're running 8 against 5 and you're giving the offense a lot of freedom the defense a lot of restrictions if they have to cover way more in practice than they'll ha- ever have to in a game um, that can make your press really tough.
0: Do you feel like any of those presses, whether zone or man, complement any particular style of play? Or is that something that we have overhyped a little bit?
1: I do think there's validity to that. A team that's a pack line team probably will not like to speed it up a lot. They don't want a lot of possessions in their game because that tends to be a little bit tougher for for some pack line teams. I think college pack line teams, because of the amount of practice, they're able to do that a little bit more effectively. But I think it can be difficult on the high school level. But if that's what's important to you, I think anything can be done, but it's always going to be at the expense of cutting something out. And so I I wouldn't say that when I say it's overhyped, I just want to be clear of what I'm saying. I do think it's possible. But it may not be the best use of your time to be able to try to mes- mix a, like a pack line philosophy with a really aggressive pressing philosophy that may not that may not work. But it can work if you want it to. I've done it and I've seen it work a lot.
0: And you've talked a little bit about personnel and at the high school level, obviously, a lot of times you have the players that are given to you. You're not going out recruiting, which is different from where you're at right now. But even though you we're in that position, it seemed to me from having observed you from afar, you still had success and kind of did what you were going to do despite who you had on your team. So for the coach who says, well, I don't have the personnel for that. Do you feel like that should be a factor and how much of a factor should it be? Or should it still be something that you try to do and it can be done if you teach it the right way and drill it enough?
1: I think if you don't have a ton of talent, or if you're a pretty transient school, like when I was in DC, because of the nature of military families there, I rarely had somebody for four years. And so I started having to have a philosophy where I could be successful no matter who I had. And I just determined that I think pressing gives your team an aggressive philosophy, aggressive mindset, even if you don't use it a ton in games. I think, I don't think there's any better way. Uh, to get your team to be aggressive from the beginning of the season than to start pressing right away. You know, a lot of turnovers come from bad decision making. And I think the more you press and practice, the more it helps your your decision making. Um, you're going to have to use it at some point in the season when you're behind. And so I think everybody has to have a pressing philosophy. I do think that it, any team can press. It just Part of the art of coaching is figuring out which press is, is best for you and who you have. Even if you're slow, you may need to do a, a three-quarter court press, but I think you still need to apply apply pressure. I don't think you could ever just sit back and let the offense come and do what they need to do. I think you need to dictate to the offense that you're going to take something away. The whole art of practice and coaching is to take away the other team's practice habits, and I think pressing does that better than almost anything that I know.
0: So obviously this podcast is not going to do any press justice as far as teaching it from start to finish. But for the coach who is like, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead and try this. I'm going to do some more research on it. Are there some basic principles that you can give that should be taught, emphasized, no matter the press?
1: If it were me, there's a lot of notes on the internet now from the Andy Landers press. I would start with that because I think if you start with teaching how to go man-to-man that way and everybody on your team guarding that way, you can easily implement, really in a practice or two, you can implement a 2 to one defense, a run-and-jump defense, almost anything that you want to do if you have those basic philosophies of how hard you need to guard the ball and how the people off the ball can support the defender that's on the ball. And I, I don't know of a better place to start than there.
0: I would say also just the communication that you talked about um, whether it's verbal communication, nonverbal communication, as far as like passing off the guy in the middle. If you have a team that doesn't talk, we were even talking with our team today about this, but if you have a team that doesn't talk, you're, you're probably not going to be very effective in a press. Is that safe to say?
1: Yes. And I think, you know, I I have done this and I'm sure other coaches have as well, where we've decided we're not going to press this year because we don't communicate. And, I don't think that we can give up that easily. I think that that is a way to help their communication is by making them making them do that. A press is a good way to do it. I think in the course of a game, uh, one syllable words are the best way to communicate, whether it's an offensive set, defensive set, just one forceful command. Um, Like we say now when we're going to trap, we say flash when a guy is is coming up that we need to be aware of. We say stay if somebody needs to. And just those one syllable things are easy to say. You don't have to repeat it 10 times. Just do it once and then also point what needs to happen. Um, None of us are mind readers. The guy in the back can always see what's developing in front of him. And I think the back of whatever press you choose needs to be that the guy needs to be your best communicator.
0: I'm guessing that after coaches listen to this, they're going to have some questions. So uh, you want to give them either your Twitter handle or uh, a way that they can connect with you to find out more about some of these or get some of the resources that you have.
1: Uh, Twitter. I'm Bruins Hoop Coach. Uh, my email address is B-J-U-W-A-R-O-W at bju dot edu that's coach burton
0: uro head men's basketball coach for the bob jones university bruins thanks for taking the time to talk to us coach just really quickly if you haven't heard yet about anchor it is the easiest way to make a podcast it's free there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer anchor will even distribute your podcast to spotify and apple podcasts and other platforms so your show actually gets heard you can even make money from your podcast no matter the size of your audience it really is everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That'll do it for this episode. Be sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already and share the podcast with your coaching friends to help us grow the game. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again at the next time out.